see a woman going up that stage, receiving an award for her research and just seeing you can be a woman in robotics and get a research award. That to me was one of these moments that I felt like I just had to see one, just see one. And then I, I could be one myself. Welcome back to WIS Talks. My name is Sarah Mansour and I'm a fourth year student studying math, statistics, and computer science. And I'm joined by my co-host, Arita Kabir, who is a third year student majoring in computer science. Today we have Dr. Jessica Bergner-Kars with us. Dr. Bergner-Kars is extremely distinguished. She's an associate professor with the departments for mathematical and computational sciences, computer science, and mechanical and industrial engineering the founding director of the Continuum Robotics Laboratory, as well as an associate director of the Robotics Institute here at U of T. Her current research focuses on Continuum robots. We're so excited to have her on our podcast today to tell us more about her journey to coining the term Continuum robots and their impact in the field of medicine. Jessica, it's so great to meet you. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm super excited to, to be here today. We're really excited to have you here as well. The first question we want to ask you is, how did you choose the field of robotics? I have to actually go back a little bit because um, it wasn't like that I knew I wanted to do robotics from the beginning. So maybe I take you back to when I was at school. So I was always a nerd at school. I believe we all have that in common. Um, I yeah. loved math and computer science and you know, I was always the only girl in the computer science course in my high school. It was back in the 90s, right? Like there were not many, yeah. um, many women doing this. And so it was very weird. But at the same time, I made all these great friends and I had all these cool male friends and we were like talking about computers and tech. And I was super fortunate to have like a really cool teacher that was supportive and was so excited to have a girl in class. And he always like pointed out my achievements. And when I, um, I was actually best in class sometimes and I was like, oh, I can even be better than the boys. So that was, that was, I guess, somewhat reassuring. Um, but you can tell technology fascinated me even as a kid. Um, and so I remember my family would buy a computer for me in the early 90s. Still like a huge uh, computer that I had in, at home. And I, I just loved fiddling with it. So nothing of that had to do with robotics. I think when I started to think about robots was when I discovered Star Trek. Like I loved Star Trek, the next generation and data. And I was just like, oh, this is so cool if you could build something like that. But at the same time, I always thought that I would go in medicine and become a neurosurgeon because I figured I want to help people. So even though I had all this tech interest, I thought, ah, I want to really be a surgeon, you know, and um, operate and remove brain tumors. And so that was what I wanted to do. Um, so I went to university eventually and I was um, a first generation student. Um, so nobody of my family ever went to uh, pursue um I guess, a university education. And so that was extremely hard. Um, I didn't know how things worked and it was super high pressure. But what was cool about it is that while I was like pursuing computer science and we, we all probably know in any science, like when you start at university, you feel like oh, this is so much harder than what I knew from high school like the, the, the like the step you have to take was just insane and I felt like 
I was so stupid. But at the same time, I felt so great because all the people around me were nerds as well. <laughs> like they all loved studying and they all loved programming. And yeah. so that was all just wonderful because I felt like I found like-minded people. Um, so that was good. But then like the pure computer science really didn't do anything for me. It was very theoretical at that point. Like the first two years was an awful lot of theory and I there was not a lot of practical things. So I was questioning whether computer science was the right choice. But then there was this seminar course on, um, I guess it was computer aided surgery. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. I'm going to take the seminar course. And in the seminar course, I discovered that with computer science, you could help in medicine. Like you could develop algorithms that could find tumors and images. And then it eventually also talked about surgical robots. And I was like, had I known before, this is so cool. So I had a lot of excitement finally, because I figured, oh, I can combine computer science with medicine and there's even robots involved. And I was like, oh, this is, this is awesome. So I had this revelation. This is what I want to do. And like, I think it was third year. And then I started helping in a research lab as a student. And that's kind of how I went into the robotics a little bit, because they had robots in the research lab. I didn't know a lot of robots before. And so initially I was just doing some algorithmic developments and some simulation work that I could do in C++, but then I always saw these robots. And so in grad school, um, I then started to focus on robotics and biomedical engineering, totally ditch this whole like go into medicine I figure like no 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 I'm going to do robotics and biomed and so that's eventually how I got into robotics and then I did a PhD with robotics of surgical robotics that built this robot that could cut human bone with a laser I don't know I, I guess I kind of stumbled into it at least yeah. it feels that way like it wasn't super determined that I'd be a roboticist but yeah. now I am it's so similar because everybody, all the great people we've had on, it's always, they've always stumbled into their like lifelong passion. It's always like that. And listening to your story, it also reminds me of my parents because they were also in computer science and like first year student, first generation university students. And it's always almost like you guys have been carving the way for us, carving the path for us. I feel like us girls in STEM, women in STEM, we have so much to look up to. I remember when I was in my comp one course, there were like 600 students in this huge lecture hall. And you could tell there were like maybe two handful of women. Yeah. And that was just insane. You know, you sit there and you're so intimidated because you feel like for me, it was double intimidating, not only because there was a lot of guys, but also so I felt lonely as a, as a woman. But then also I felt like, oh, I'm first generation student. So maybe I just don't belong here. They are all so much more entitled to go to university and they they know all that from family and I just knew nothing I had no idea how university worked and it was yeah. really tough at times too it's insane how much how far you've come right it's the challenges you've had to accomplish and it I really relate you know with uh, imposter syndrome and feeling like you're not good enough because everybody around you is so much smarter but all it takes is that little push of belief someone to believe in you your professor or your colleagues and your peers. It's actually quite amazing. I definitely agree with the statement about feeling like you're alone, being like the only girl sometimes. I, I think that still happens. Like I remember in my first year, which was like four years ago now, like I definitely in a lot of my computer science courses, I would easily be able to pick out like all the girls in like the classroom because there was only like four of us, you know? And even like this semester in one of my stats course in my 
tutorials, I was the only girl <laughs> for like both every time that I went, I was like the only girl there. And like, it, you know, I didn't really notice it until like I actually looked around the room and I was like, it's just all, all guys here. <laughs> so like it definitely feels like very very lonely in the way that you know that the guys don't necessarily relate to what exactly you're feeling obviously when they see the only girl they they don't really think of like how they would feel themselves if they were the only guy there kind of it's not the same feeling I think but yeah that's I honestly I'm just speechless about your entire journey that's very very inspiring it's sometimes for me even weird like I read this I'm not sure I picked this up in some newspaper where they talked about I'm German so for Germany they talked about the likelihood of getting a PhD if you're from a non-academic background. And so there was like, I don't know, just a few percent. If you are like from a family that went to university or had like academic education, you would go to university very likely and pursue a PhD. And I recall like for someone from a non-academic background, it would be just, I, I think it was single digit percent that likelihood of getting a PhD And so eventually I became even a professor, right? And as you say, it's quite distinguished. Like I'm super fortunate. I had like a great career, but that almost feel like, feels like impossible to do when you look to the statistics. And I don't know, it makes me just very thankful about the path that I was able to go. But at the same time, it just feels again, very lonely because you feel like, well, nobody else is able to do this. Like what, what's wrong? Why, why? But at the same time, I don't know. Sometimes it's like this being lonely and feeling not fitting to me was always a point where I felt like, well, I, I want to prove that I fit and I worked even harder. And sometimes I feel it was also an enabler to, to do really well. Yeah. I pushed you basically to always mm -hmm. hide. Yeah. I can definitely see that. I mean, your research with continuum robots, It has made a great impact in the medical field. And so we were, we were really interested in what contributions or how you see this path going with Continuum Robots for medicine. That was also a funny coincidence. So I was not working on Continuum Robots until like finishing my PhD. So I, I think I said earlier, right, I built this robot that could cut bone with a laser. It was a huge robot that you would um, use then to put on top uh, above a patient's head and they could carve out bone with a laser. So they would like move around the laser and that would cut the bone and you could go several times and then you could cut out pieces. You could remove the bone, do some surgery and put the bone back. And when I finished my PhD, I was like, I don't know if these big robots should be used in operating rooms. Mm -hmm. And I recall I was at this one robotics conference where a prof from... Uh, Vanderbilt University gave a talk on his vision about robots. And so I heard him talking about these continuum robots that was back in 2009. Yeah, 2009. And so I was like, oh, this is so cool. And so I went back home and finished my PhD. And then eventually he would look for a postdoc. Like usually you finish your PhD and you want to stay in academia, you then do a postdoctoral um, stay with some other researcher eventually. And so he looked for a postdoc. I applied. He was like, yeah, sure, come over. And so I moved to the US to work with him. And that's when I got in contact with Continuum Robots. Back in the time, there were not many Continuum Robots yet. So in that lab, I was working with all the other grad students and it was were just wonderful because there were surgeons coming in, looking at the work we were doing. There was so much excitement that mm -hmm. I felt like I would like to devote my whole career to Continuum Robots. 
Now you may wonder what continuum robots are. That's um, not something everybody knows because it's still a quite niche research area. So continuum robots are very different from any other robot that you know. Um, if you like picture a robot in your head, you're probably thinking of a humanoid looking robot, a walking uh, robot, or maybe a heavy industrial robot that does some car manufacturing with lasers and stuff. Or you may think of an, uh, I guess, vacuum cleaning autonomous robot that like swaps floors or stuff. Yeah. And so my robots are not that. They are much, much smaller. They are looking like um, almost like a worm, um, really small, really tiny. They don't have any rigid links or joints. So they are much more like a snake, a worm, um, an anteater tongue or an elephant trunk. So they are like flexible and compliant and they can reach places that other robots can't reach. So a lot of the innovation comes from building robots very differently than people have built them before. Um, but also in terms of the applications we could do, like as I was always fascinated by medicine, um, these robots now, as they are very small, almost like look at your index finger, they're even smaller. And then they could sneak up your nose and operate a brain tumor on that pathway without needing to open the brain. And so surgeons would look at this and be like, wow, I could do something completely different from how I have approached it before. And that to me is just one of the most fulfilling things, just inspiring people when they see what we're doing. And also all the grad students in the lab, everybody is just feeling like, well, we're working on something not too many other people are working on. And that's just... Yeah. For me personally, like working with you as as your web developer for the Continuum Robotics Lab, I feel like the word Continuum Robots has kind of been imprinted in my mind. So I can like never forget what a Continuum Robot is, you know? And I feel like it's so self-explanatory in the sense that it continues. It doesn't have any um, finite links or joints. So it's just one, one sort of like an organism, you know? And I find it's so cool when you're part of something so huge and innovative it makes you want to come into work every day and give it your all because you're working towards something so amazing and like life-changing and I really want to find that one day you know I have a project that I can really feel like wow this is an impact I'm making an impact and going off of that I also wanted to ask you what your hopes are of expanding the robotics community here at UTM so I was, uh, when I interviewed for the University of Toronto, they were looking for creating this robotics cluster in computer science. Um, you may be aware, like robotics has always been present at the University of Toronto, but it was always in engineering. And so it was almost inaccessible for CS students, um, but that is fundamentally an issue because robotics is so much more than just, just engineering and electrical engineering and stuff. Because in robotics, you need to not only design a robot and create sensors and I guess make motors move, you also need to model how they're, mo how they're moving. You need to make sense of what robots are seeing with cameras and all sorts of, of other sensors. You need to be able to process this information. You need to use computer vision and machine learning to make the robots perceive, reason and act about what's happening around them. You need to be able to simulate these robots and all of this needs computer science expertise. And yeah. so having a robotics program in computer science is just the most natural thing. And 
so U of T was looking to create this cluster. And so when I, I was interviewing, I was just so intrigued of moving to Canada and help them create this robotics cluster. And so that's when I joined in 2019, together with uh, two other colleagues, um, Florian Skorti and Animesh Garg. They are both assistant professors. I came in on a little bit more senior level, I suppose, because I had already experience as a professor in Germany before. And so we have been starting off this cluster. We created a lot of courses um, for the CS students. Um, and we are um, now on the verge of creating a robotics specialist. Now that we have grown to a multiple faculty member, there's also this other professor, um, Igor Gilichensky, he joined last year. And we will hopefully have another prof joining soon. And then we will be five in total. And that will allow us to hopefully kick off a robotics specialist in a few years. It takes some time to go through university administration. But that's one of my goals to really provide a robotics education um, or a program for robotics. Um, and then uh, I guess short term, uh, we will have this cool robotics teaching lab opening this spring. Finally, I, uh, if it were me, it would have opened two years ago, but then we had a pandemic. So this robotics teaching lab has like um, several robot arms and students could get a hands-on experience in how to program robots and how to make them move. That will be super exciting for the fall offering of, of, of the introduction to robotics course. Yeah. And then I guess a little bit more long-term in a couple of years, we're gonna move into a new building at the Mississauga campus, the F2 building, that's gonna be right behind the Manjawe Nendam Owinan building. Um, so this, it's gonna be a huge and amazing building where there's a lot of robotics space for researchers and for students, teaching labs and different environments for, for people to engage with robots. And I'm just so pumped to get this all to work um, I'm so at UTN because I think it's gonna be super exciting. I remember when you walked me through the, the robotics, current robotics lab situation, and I got to see the actual continuum robots. It was, it, I, it, I left like still thinking about how epic that is, you know? And I remember peering into the learning lab, the teaching lab for the robotics, it was still in construction. The robotics itself is such an intuitive field because there's so much, there's direction and movement and everything. And I feel like to actually be able to see what all the math and all the science and all the computer science really builds up to, it really, being able to visualize it is everything in my head and being able to actually see it. Yeah, I feel that's a certain, like that's actually a barrier that many computer science students face, including myself. Like I would just not get anything out of just seeing things on my screen. I got so much more excited when things started to move and I could see my algorithms coming to life in a robot. I finally felt like, ah, oh, th this was just so much more fulfilling to me personally. And I think there's many students that, that need that real world relationship sometimes. Yeah. And I think robotics can certainly do that for yeah, me. I feel sad because I kind of when I took robotic, the robotics course last semester, the fundamentals of robotics, I didn't get to like, you know, actually go and see the robots. And I still wish I could have with the new robot lab, robotics lab, the robotic building. Uh, there's also a UTM robotics club. How would, do you think in the robotics community could like better engage with the robotics lab here at UTM? I think they are already greatly engaging. I think that's good. I think that the pandemic was certainly a, a bummer for all of us because yeah. um, robotics is a lot about hands-on work and like working purely virtual on robotics is just not the same thing. And I think um, the robotics club has been doing great in just raising awareness about the programs and just um, 
telling students about which courses to take. Um, but what I could see if I could wish for like the ultimate student engagement on campus, I could see maybe um, students participating in some of the um, robotics challenges uh, worldwide, like there's robo soccer or um, robots, a different robot competitions. And I could certainly see that would be wonderful if the UTM uh, robotics club would win such a competition um, just to show, you know, that at our campus were the very best. And yeah. if there would be a lot of girls on that team, that would just be phenomenal. <laughs> I mean, there's so many accomplished women in the CRL team as of now. I mean, and it's so inspiring to see. So I'm sure like we could all, yeah, you guys could all come together and even the students. I think when I was taking the fundamentals of robotics course, there was only like four, how many, do you remember how many girls were in the course? It's so hard. I only saw these black squares on Zoom. Yeah, exactly. So I, can't, I couldn't even tell if it was what, what gender it was. I, I was thinking the same thing when we were talking about how many girls or boys are in the class, like the gender uh, proportion. It's with online courses, it's so hard to understand the actual proportion of, because when you're sitting in a room and you look around, it's a completely different feeling than like being on Zoom. So I, that's, but I really think that with robot, the robotics um, community at UTM has so many great opportunities and can really grow. And it's so exciting. And I'm so, so happy that you're at the front of it because I feel like there's no better person, honestly. Well, I have great robotics colleagues. They're also great people. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I wanted to ask if there's any kind of opportunity or like how, if they were interested in, you know, either like taking a course, even if it wasn't maybe part of their program, or, you know, maybe they didn't want to do like the entire specialist program itself, what kind of like opportunities would there be in terms of like maybe research or kind of work or just taking the courses for, for students who are just interested in kind of getting that introductory level knowledge about robotics and continuing robotics specifically as well? Well, to get into continuum robotics, we have to understand robotics first. Um, mm -hmm. So there's yeah. always the need to start with the fundamentals of robotics course. That's CSE 376. I'm offering this every fall and third year. So that's the entry-level robotics course that we require for any other robotics um, endeavors um, at UTM. And that's the perfect way to find out whether the um, mathematical foundation um, is for you because... Oftentimes, students are very, um, I guess, discouraged by seeing how much um, mathematical ability you need to have to master robotics, um, because a lot of it boils down to geometrical relationships and um, things moving and velocities, and there's a little bit of physics involved. So that's often very daunting. And this course gives you a good idea about what you would need to be able to play with um, to proceed with robotics. And so that's the best entry point. Um, and if you would want to get involved earlier, I think the robotics club is open to students in first year that like they do a lot of entry level stuff also in terms of programming, robot simulation, and I guess there's many more things we could develop with them. And then if this fundamentals of robotics course was not um, too bad for you, I guess then you could take any other of the robotics courses we're offering. I'm offering an introduction to continuum robotics course in fourth year, but I'm only teaching it every other year. And it's also a graduate course that is cross-listed for undergrads because that's very 
advanced in a sense and more for graduate studies, um, I suppose. Mm -hmm. And then you were also asking about getting involved with research. Um, we also require some fundamental knowledge in robotics because learning it all from scratch as you're doing the research is too much. Um, so if you had taken this course, then there would be opportunities. I'm always taking on students for the summer, not as many as I wish I could, because obviously there's limited resources and time. So there's many, many, many students asking, and I'm trying to filter by if they had this introduction to robotics course, how well they did in the course, um, the interest and their abilities, like most of our programming, for example, is in C++. Um, mm-hmm. So that would be something you need to be familiar with. And I guess not being shy on also working with real hardware, um, that will be some of the things I would be looking for. And then I'm often always um, doing research opportunity projects. There's right now, I think, um, is the call for these kind of projects or reading courses, implementation projects. There's multiple ways to get involved if you were really excited about it. But check out if robotics is for you with this course first. That's the entry. I definitely did that with, with last semester when I, I it really gave me such an amazing opportunity to get get the exposure for robotics because the field itself is so intriguing. So it's very excited to get excited, very easy to get excited about it. But when you actually start getting into it, there's the math and the actual concept. It's something that it's it's something that you have to have a sort of knack towards like grasping or like at least a lot of dedication to make sure like you can hammer it through. And I feel like it was like such a great course and it taught me a lot when I took CSC 376. And of course, um, I feel like if we could have gone and seen the robots as well, I feel like from next semesters, we'd probably be offering that with the lab. So that is quite exciting. Yeah, what's often very hard is just this getting all these spatial relationships right. I'm not sure what it needs. I haven't figured this out. I'm not a neuroscientist, but it, I get eventually in your brain, it needs something to be able to make these spatial relationships and think about how things are moving in space. A lot of things that you would also need in computer graphics, essentially. A lot of the methods we're using are actually similar to computer graphics. Wow, I didn't know that. So with the gazebo simulator that we use, for example, to simulate the robot movements, it's also very similar. I can see the similarity now with computer graphics. Definitely. So in terms of, um, I think what you mentioned right now about how you obviously don't know everything about neuroscience. So when it comes to these like continuum robots that you do use, you know, for surgical operations, um, like you mentioned, is there some sort of like collaboration that happens between, you know, um, faculty of like, of that department and your department? Yes, absolutely. That's actually the beauty about research. That's what I like most about it because you're not doing anything on your own. Like it's all about teamwork and it's all about collaborating with people. Um, And it starts small, like it starts in the research lab by having students from very different backgrounds, different disciplines, like for example, uh, not only computer science, but mechanical engineering, electrical engineering, biomedical engineering, anything. And then for these um, medical robotics projects, we work a lot with surgeons. So we have collaborators in the hospitals that we work with that are excited about um, new technology developments and sometimes even companies that are uh, interesting, interested in finding out um, where new technology uh, could be leading. 
So it's all about working together. That's also often a misconception that research is not that one person sitting down, uh, I guess, writing down a ton of equations and having this, uh, this epiphany moment. Yeah. It's really about a lot of people with the mo- best, um, best it's if the backgrounds are really diverse and they're all coming together and talking about things they know and all of them accepting that there's a lot of things we don't know. So everybody wants to learn more about what others know. And then having cool um, and exciting collaborators that also see the merit of um, some of the stuff. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah, it's definitely um, it's definitely like such a beautiful thing when so many like-minded people with different backgrounds can come together and create something. Like mm-hmm. still the thought of like continuum robots and how far like it can really take the medical field is quite astounding but to be able to like actually go in and see the robots and the, I, I remember I feel like I told you before when we went when I you were first giving me the tour of the facility like tour of the robotics lab how like in the videos of the continuum robots it's always very clean and you can see the movement so it's just that one tiny microscopic robot but then when when you zoom out from the lens you see all the hard work that goes into it you can see the actual mechanics and it's actually so fascinating to look at how how much work actually goes into producing that one fluid uh, piece of equipment. I wanted to actually ask the professor about um, what she thinks of like more, uh, if she thinks there's more work study opportunities for the robotics lab this semester. Yes, for sure. I think work study is a wonderful opportunity to get involved without necessarily doing the research, but yeah. um, being... Um, I guess, immersed in the research lab by doing some tasks. So for example, as as Arita is now a web developer for us, we had web developers before. I have also always been looking for illustration assistance that would help us with creating photographs of our robots or videos of our robots. Um, I would all, could also think about having somebody that helps us write some posts or help. What I would love to have is someone that helps us manage our social media because I'm not very good at it. Um, or Instagram is like the, the saddest channel in the world. But having someone that would help us with that, I think this is certainly something I would do with work study positions. Yeah, for sure. I think this is just such a great way to get involved. Yeah, I feel like I learned so much about robotics and really learned to appreciate it, like in the sense that even if I didn't like dive right in and do the research, but I felt like I was part of a community. I feel like I'm a part of a community when I'm working for you. So that is actually quite an, I would really encourage people to go and look at work study opportunities at CRL. It's been really, really good talking to you about how you chose, you know, your field of robotics and then, you know, becoming the director at the Continuum Robotics Laboratory as well. And also you like touching on your experiences and like your journey of just being a woman since the very beginning, you mentioned like when you were in high school and the kind of experiences you had as, you know, feeling lonely as a woman and, you know, being the only woman in your class and then touching on your research and, you know, opportunities that we have so much of at UTM for our students in the robotics field. So it was really, really great talking to you. And we definitely enjoyed this time. I'm so grateful that you came on. Jessica, I really enjoyed like learning about your experience. And I feel like I relate a lot because 
in the, sa in the same vein, my parents were also CS students who were first generation. And I, when you told the story about your mom, when you like you looked around and you were like the only girl in the class, it it really rang like reminded me of my mom telling me the same exact story of how she was in CS and she was the first, the only girl in her CS class. And it really like took me back. And it, I really, I really appreciated that story. And, you know, I had the same, like when I was at a robotics conference um, as a PhD student, so I guess I was in my mid twenties and I saw that robotics, female robotics professor going upstage and she got